Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hey guys. Okay, right. Here we go. We are rolling into a discussion all about craving today. So in the last episode, we sort of took a bit of a deep dive into triggers and we were talking about, and not many other things as well. Um, we took a bit of a deep dive into triggers and we were talking about how, you know, there's kind of this pathway where we might see something that makes us think of drinking. Um, and ultimately it can lead us to this kind of moment of like, call it the fuck it button of just like, screw it. I'm doing it, whatever that thing is, be it the drink or the, or the whatever. And we really want to talk about, we spoke to in the last episode, all of the the things that you can do if you're sort of in the kind of like, you can feel you're a bit wobbly and you're like, "Mm, I could do this and I could be drinking. And, and, and you're kind of having that dialogue with your own, with yourself in your own head. Like we spoke about things that you can do to like sort of cut that in its tracks and before you even get to the point of having a craving. Um, so if anybody's not listened to the previous episode, we would encourage you to go and have a good listen to that one. Uh, but today we really want to sort of speak to that kind of what you've gone past the tipping point. I call it kind of like amber and red zone where like, you're just kind of like, nah, screw it, I'm doing it. Or you're just consumed with that like hijack feeling of just tunnel vision of like the one thing that you're thinking about and you just cannot get it out of your head. It's shifted into this kind of emotional response, this visceral feeling of almost like, you know, almost like being possessed at times, I used to think it can feel like in varying degrees. It got pretty intense for me at times. Um, yeah, where do you want to go with it, Ellie? How do you want to... One of the first things that I, did, I wanted to say was people can often see cravings as something very negative and can talk about it in a way that it, I think because of the nature of cravings, it can feel intensely uncomfortable. There's this uh, framing of it as, as something negative. And, and if you can reframe it as something hugely positive, then that in, in itself is going to change how you feel and then of course we know how we feel affects the the way that we behave that affects the results that we get so I think the first thing is to consider the reframe of bringing conscious awareness to the experience of craving is a hugely valuable exercise in learning something Mm -hmm. because those cravings are there to teach you something there is something that you can understand by bringing conscious awareness to it and 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 like a lot of the stuff that we've talked about we don't we don't we're not particularly mindful beings are we we don't sort of usually walk around in heightened states of mindfulness (laughs) it's usually quite the bloody opposite and so bringing as i said bringing conscious awareness to it is really important because you can just learn so much about if you t- take the, when you've got that signal that you've hit the fuck it button or you're about to hit the fuck it button, if you can have some kind of a pause, if you can hit the pause button before the fuck it button and slow things down and check in with yourself and understand 
how you are feeling, what are you feeling, where is it in the body, and what are the thoughts that are going on in your head. You've got stuff to work with. And even if you choose to drink at that moment or you choose to eat the Toblerone, talk about Toblerone later on, whatever it is, if you, if, if you choose to go ahead, it's not like you've lost something because by bringing, just by bringing conscious awareness to it, you have done something differently and you have something to work with. So that's the, kind of the first thing I want to say about it. And the other thing that I think is worth knowing in this sphere of generally people feel cravings are so negative uh, or, or it's a negative experience. It's negative because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to feel discomfort. Uh, the the actual experience itself lasts for what five to twenty minutes maximum maximum twenty minutes for a craving. So if you did nothing else but lent into the discomfort and experienced it fully for what it was and didn't try to change it naturally on its own, it's going to pass. Yeah, and you're not going to die. Yeah, that's Despite it. Despite what your brain's telling you. You can kind of, um, Alan Carr used to talk about like personifying these things as like, uh, you know, it's the last death throes of this thing that you're like getting rid of, you know, and you can kind of, you can kind of just like sort of like smile at it and just almost like even in, like if I told you, for example, um, you're going to experience this one hour of just, it's going to suck. It's going to be really shitty, but at the end of it, you're going to be free from all of this. It would be possible to know. Um, it'd be possible to feel equanimity within the discomfort. We talk about mm. this a lot in meditation. You can get to the point where even though on the physical level, you're feeling discomfort, the knowledge that you are moving and growing and evolving and going in the right direction, just knowing that can bring you a level of equanimity and peace. Um that is, you know, very, very powerful. So it's strange that you can be in pain or you can be in real discomfort and still um, be, yeah, just like not co completely consumed by it. Um, mm. I think that's really powerful. It is. And to know that every time, every time you sit with a craving mm. and allow it to take its course, it makes it half as easy the next time. And part of that is to do with the, what it lends to you, what it gives to you is the opportunity to build resilience and build strength. So how people feel after they have surfed the urge, after they've not succumbed to a craving, they feel bloody amazing. Mm. And so we're, we're right into that positive emotion and, and then that leads on to courage and confidence to go through it again. And so over time, the the the, the stings taken out and the, the the strength of the the strength of the individual rises, the strength of the craving, it dissipates over time. Yeah. And there's a really, really important distinction here to to draw between resilience and strength and willpower. Because you know, there's no requirement for willpower. There's no if you understand that you're not kind of sacrificing anything, you sort of get to this point of like, okay, well, I don't need to enact constant willpower in order to do this, but the resilience mm -hmm. piece is powerful because there are times when it's not stopping drinking is one of those really weird things that almost in the same breath can be 
really challenging but really easy like it's like this strange oh, like, yeah. dance yeah. and you we're supposed to do hard things we're growing and we are evolving and just walking knowing that when a craving comes if it comes just having that knowledge like you say ellie knowing that you know okay this is not going to last forever and i'm going to learn from this and i can Mm. grow from this um can be really powerful okay cool um what about is there anything else you think we need to cover before we talk about specific from the sort of biggest picture before we talk about specific tactics of dealing with a craving that's online as such no i think we've got it the the, the bit that the bit that was critical is around like the the bodily the somatic element yeah and this you know the, this point that you made about you know when 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 you know if you if you flipped your lid and prefrontal cortex is no longer online. You're talking to, you know, your primal brain. So it's it, it has to be a different a different means of communication. I have literally had the experience of walking to. I can remember one time in Poland walking to the petrol station in midst of a red zone craving. Just like I, I'd hit that button and I was on the way and I was buying those beers. And the entire time there, my conscious mind was telling myself, you don't want to do this, why are you yeah. doing this? And it was like, those two parts of me were activated at the same time. Um, nothing I was saying in my mind was counteracting this just, oh, this consuming sort of like drive to go and to go and get this thing. And that is prefrontal cortex, logical brain trying to communicate with emotional limbic system mm. and it's like no not registering mate you're speaking russian and i don't speak russian i only speak and what if, if you if you transport yourself back to there sam what yeah. what would have worked in that moment do there are it doesn't or i mean i think a lot of those times i I, I, i'll be honest there were times that I, that I just did it and then they were the worst times right because then i would come back and i was like i'd learn a lot from it and it was like mm. oh so I think in the end, it was just like the learn repeated history of just like, you know, this is going to suck. This is truly, truly going to suck. But I think the times where I actually sort of like stopped and turned around, actually playing it forward, I would almost sometimes see a vision of what I was going to be like the next day. Mm-hmm. But it was it almost wasn't even like a conscious playing it forward. It was just like, just like getting into the emotions of like where I was going to be the next day mm-hmm. and being like, oh man. Um, I think also the so i think i've got a really quite strong meditation practice and i did even then and so i think sometimes i would just delaying was probably the most powerful thing to be perfectly Mm. honest with you i would often if the walk to the place was long enough within 10 minutes of getting there the craving is starting to dissipate and and some more of me was coming back online the other Mm. thing that i used to be able to do is basically literally just say to myself okay, if you still feel like this an hour from now, you can go to that and you can do that. Mm. And you, I never did. I never did. And sometimes that just is... making that decision of like, okay, because you proved to yourself it doesn't last forever. Yeah, that, that is the, the, the creating space, mm. which is kind of linked to that pause thing, the, the delaying, yeah. that is so powerful. I've used that so many times with, with clients, with the, you know the the point of it the outcome it doesn't matter relatively it doesn't matter whether you drink or not 
you're going to learn something. It's, it's as it's meant to be. But if you can, like in social situations, if you can turn up, this is the first time that you've experienced the works do or the wedding or whatever, alcohol free, um, then, then go experience that first hour and see what that's like. You can, you, the, the, the answer to your friends who are asking you to drink can be, oh, I'm just going to have a, a softie to begin with and I'll join you in, you know, yeah. a drink or two's time. Then, and I've seen it play out both ways. I've seen it play out where people, just that space and then observing what goes on has been enough for that person to make a decision that was actually, I'm not going to drink now. I mean, I'm going to see this night through alcohol free. And they learned what they learned from that experience. And equally the other way where somebody's chosen to drink and has then equally learned something you don't, you don't lose in, in either of these situations, but that delay tactic is um, it can be so hugely powerful just to, just to give that space. And this is all about, again, being in positive emotion, being curious and open, open-minded enough to learn. Yeah. The curiosity thing is really, really powerful. So this would work. I mean, another thing that I do now, if I've got intense um, kind of emotions, anxiety or anything like that, um, if you sit in your body, if you, if you focus on an emotion or a feeling and do the total opposite of what you normally do, which is kind of like, you want to run from it, right? What, what's, what's not natural about that? You know, you don't want to feel shit. So what do you want to do? You want to kind of run away from it and escape it, right? So this kind of, we, we need to do the opposite of what feels natural to us. And if you can sit with the feeling and maybe that is sit and formally meditate or just be there with it and do the opposite of what you might normally do. Well, the opposite of running from something is welcoming it. So if you, I will quite literally say to myself, okay, this feeling, and I will label it, this feeling of whatever it is, or it's hot and it's this. And I say, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. And the strangest thing is if you're willing to sit with an incredibly intense emotion in not a huge amount of time, you start to rob it from, of its meaning. And the reason for that is because if you're, if you are your anger, if there's no distinction and you're just kind of like you've become it and you're you're kind of like one with it there's just no objectivity there at all mm. and you're kind of like ramping it up and it's growing and it's evolving but if you're willing to welcome it and sit with it and watch it over time its meaning disappears and even like really highly pleasurable states and highly negative painful states they start to kind of like become just this thing that you're observing and there's a piece the piece of you that observes it is not that thing so if you say to yourself, oh, look at that anger, or like, I can feel this anger, I can feel this like wave of, of sort of like depressive energy, or I can feel this, you get some freedom from it, because that piece of you, that observing witness and presence, um, isn't the craving. And there's space, and that gap starts to grow. And as we welcome it, and even send it love and grow with it, it will start to dissipate, and it will start to go. Play with it, trust me on that. Like if that's something that you have access to and um, um, I would really recommend experimenting with that because it's the opposite of what our intuition says but it's really yeah and and that's that I think if you can retrain your it's like that that instinct it's it's it's, just as you said it's it's the opposite so anytime I, I always say this about discomfort 
growth is on the other side. Like it's, you know, if you, if you get excited about it, it, it changes it. It feels very, very different than, oh God, you know, if I'm in a really shit, shit place or feel shit. It's, it's, it's very, very, very different. And it opens up so much more. And what have you got to lose by trying it? Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to say about where you're talking about, like the length of the walk to the shop, mm. that, that is an example of introducing friction. Yeah. So uh, if you want to build a habit, you need to remove friction. If you want to break a habit, you've got to introduce friction. And this can be, we talked before about whether you choose to have alcohol in the house or not. And for some people, it can, and, and or, or take sugar, right? So for me, introducing friction for me is not having the sugar in the house mm-hmm. because if it's not there, then and, and and I'm having one of those moments of I could really smash a pack of Cadbury chocolate buttons right now. <laughs> if they're not there, then what am I going to do? Am I going to go to the shop to buy them? No, of course I'm not. I'm not. It's too much friction. So considering that as a, as a concept can be very helpful, whether it's, whether you're dealing with sugar or alcohol or something else, think about what is the friction that you can add? What friction can you put in your way that is going to aid you? Certainly in the, the early days, it can be a pretty powerful thing to do. I think I always talk to clients about having these lists. They're like things you're moving away from things you're moving towards. Um, I lost count of the amount of times that I was out and I would, the trigger would lead to the conversation in my mind and the conversation in my mind in my mind would be happening while I'm standing in a group of people talking to them. And the entire time I've been negotiating with myself about whether I was going to drink or not, not present. Something mm. might happen and might tip into this moment. If it, I got into the habit of that time of always saying to myself, okay, I'm going to go and read my list before I make any decision about anything. I'm going to go read my list. And that would be pop outside, pop to the loo, whatever. And on my list, it would have, um, I do actually have another, I'll I'll link it in the show notes as well. A list of 64 incredible things about being alcohol free. I have many more of them now. It was a podcast, um, a blog I wrote a long time ago, but I'd read through them one by one and I'd feel the truth of them. So it would be like, you know, you're going to wake up feeling incredible in the morning. Yeah. And then just like every single one going Mm. through them one by one by one and taking myself to that place. And I always thought, think of lists as a bit of like there, you can time travel with them because you write them when you're in your best sense of best self, right? The, the you that you know, you are meant to be that you're growing into, you write down all of those things. And then when you're not in that space, you pull out this thing that you you created when you were and you kind of dial into and tap into that thing. But what you will notice often is that if you're kind of like quite heightened and like in, in that kind of, it will take a little while. So you might not want to do it at first and you might have mm. to really invoke the feelings and really pull up the emotions of how the things on the, your list make you feel. Um, and sometimes it can feel like it's not going to cut the mustard. But I, I personally found in this may not be the case for everybody different people different tactics that that one was mad powerful i used to write yeah. myself letters i made myself videos i'd go and watch the video that i made to myself yeah and, and and that is a really good example of the adult self so in the yeah. world of there's a lady called susan anderson who yeah. i just adore her Amazing. work um we uh, oh god could you imagine if we could ever get her on <gasps> <laughs> oh 
um we'll definitely we'll do some episodes on her work because it's it's been life-changing for me and, and many of my clients Mine and and that what, what you're talking about there the list the list is written by the adult self and so when so um just to a very brief overview so Susan Anderson describes three different parts to ourselves so whereas you, you before you may have heard of like the inner child um she talks about the inner child the outer child and the adult self and the inner child is all about the feelings and the outer child is all about the behaviors and there is so much benefit to separating these out and that's for another episode but suffice to say that when we self-sabotage, when we are in fuck it mode, that is the outer child that's in charge. So imagine inner child is sweet, innocent, you know, you at five years old or whatever, um, with all of the hopes and dreams and just wants to be loved and taken care of. And the outer child is the part of you that is bungling, um, well-intended, wants to take care of the inner child, but does it by acting out in all of the wrong ways. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's very well intended here, eat the whole Toblerone, that will make you feel better. But the outer child doesn't have the capacity that the adult self does to understand things like delayed gratification, for example. So that's why your tactic there, Sam, with your list that you can time travel with is so bloody effective. <laughs> because it overrides the outer child getting getting in charge and staying in charge there's 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 this interruption so you know and really another good example of friction too absolutely yeah and look just just to speak to this a minute i think something that's really important for me to say six years or so into my journey um and I'm really, I'm not a day counter at all. I say that just so that people can understand like how quickly these things can happen. Mm. Um, within a lot less time than that, you can move to a point where it's really hard to remember what it felt like. Like mm. if I'm going to sit and really put myself in the space of what it was like to be all consumed by those feelings now, I have to really sit and go back to that place um, and, and in kind of invoke a past self and and if I'm going to write about it or talk about it I think that can be and not everyone's going to want to do that and the, the truth is that we heal thank goodness you know cuts become scars become and and, and that is the process and, and I can honestly honestly say that this far in to my journey which I know I could have done a lot quicker with help because I didn't get any because I didn't I just my journey if, if anyone's listened to it I just didn't really get help as soon as I should have done um i it's really hard for me to recall this stuff and there were there was a time when it, the idea that i could just not have triggers and cravings that would was just like oh take me there just take me there take me from i can't to i don't have to take mm. me from you know build that bridge for me now and click yeah. and and i've come to realize that actually really that path that bridge actually i had a lot more data points i think than some people might do because i i refuse to not go to festivals and things that I wanted to do. And mm. I put myself in scenarios without the tools that I needed. Um, and I think I had more data points. Ironically, I learned a lot more and that's put me in a really, I think, great posi position to be able to help other people because I've learned a lot about what it takes to build that bridge. Mm. 
it's it's, it's interesting because I think my you're so right about how you can so it's almost like you so so quickly are transported away from it and I think part of that's probably to do with how the brain you know softens mm. a, a painful experiences of the past so it's like you know the reason why we have more than one child <laughs> your brain um you know, softens the, you know, how, uh, what, how painful, and I don't necessarily just mean physical pain, but how painful the, the, the experience of childbirth is as, as an example. Yeah. So the, I think there's that element to it. Um, I, something that I think commonly happens for people, and certainly this is how it kept the experience alive to a degree for me, was replacing drinking with sugar. Right. So the cravings for alcohol and for sugar are very similar. The dopamine response is the same. It's um, perhaps, again, that's an episode all in itself because we we can talk a lot about specifically what you can do uh, with with sugar cravings. But there's there's a funny, nice little story that this was my Alan Partridge moment and it, it kind of just highlights again, one of the tactics that can be really helpful for people. So I did the January 2020 live alcohol experiment. I'm going to check myself now. And so it was alcohol free, but consuming a lot of sugar and, and I just gave into it. I, I didn't care because I was so amazed that I was happily alcohol free. I didn't, I didn't care how much chocolate I was scoffing. So this went on for a while and probably by itself dissipated uh, to a degree. So I'd say around the four to five month mark, I was eating considerably less sugar, but I'd grown this habit and it was the same thing every single night. I would, we tend to eat late in the in the evening because of sorting the kids out first and then we eat later and so what would happen is I'd be eating late in the evening and I'm talking about eight half eight sometimes nine o'clock so quite late and all the while and I love my food all the while that I'm eating I'm thinking about the sweet thing that I'm going to have afterwards yeah. and a cardo, god bless them sent through like every now and again with a card or they send you something to try they sent through a fucking massive Toblerone right you know the kind that used to get at airports the massive ones I hadn't had a Toblerone in years well I got into Toblerone in a big way and these massive things of Toblerone every night I was eating like a half of one of these Toblerone things I probably didn't eat any more just purely because of the fact of how sick it made me feel but I was in this habit Every single night I was doing the same thing. And when I became aware of what I was doing, I'm like, this is mental. Like, why why am I doing this? And I had all of these feelings around, like, I I brought conscious awareness to how do I feel? Well, how do I feel? I feel pretty sick, right? Because I'm eating a lot of chocolate. I'm then noticing that I don't sleep very well because there's caffeine in chocolate and the sugar also messes with all of my um, goings on. So I was having really, really piss poor sleep. I was waking up feeling hungover, having like some kind of sugar hangover. And it, it was, it was, it was not good. I was not happy about it. Now, if, if you're eating half a Toblerone every night and it's not interfering with your life, <laughs> then carry on. But it was for me, it was really pissing me off. 
but I, I had this intense craving every single night at the same time. And so I did, um, I did a couple of different things. One, like I was writing down how I felt and, 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 I, and, and I waste, I say I waste a lot of time. I spent a lot of time trying to uncover what the thought was. So because I was big into the act technique and, um, your thoughts create feelings. I'm like, well, what's the thought? There's got to be a thought there. There's something there. And, and I couldn't get to it. I could not find out what this thought was. I did um, the sort of the tactic of recording myself. So I'd record myself the next day going, right, you've eaten all this sugar and this is exactly how you feel. So you might want to think, you might want to watch this video before you eat half a Toblerone tonight sort of thing. And that, that was helpful. It was helpful. And that can be extremely helpful for people if you want to try something along those lines. Um, but ultimately, where this ended up was I, I stopped trying to figure out what the thought was. And I just tuned in to my body. Right. And I got into the like, I'm craving this because I want to feel something. So what is it? And do you know what it was? Do you know what I wanted? And it wasn't wine. It wasn't half a Toblerone. It was rest. It was that simple. I wanted to rest. And it sounds bloody obvious because I'm eating at nine o'clock at night. I wanted rest. I wanted to go to sleep. And so what I then started to do was introduce friction. And so the friction was I would either eat in a different place or I would eat and I would immediately go upstairs to my bedroom and I made my bedroom like some kind of sanctuary with a nice pillow mist that somebody bought me for a birthday. And um, I might light a candle and read a nice book and give myself some kind of facial or um, bought myself a nice new pair of pajamas, you know, something, something comfy to put on, get tucked up in my weighted blanket and, and read a book, that sort of thing. But by having this nourishing bedtime routine, so it's friction. And then here's all of this stuff that my body, my nervous system was crying out for. I felt amazing. And then I was getting good sleep. And then the next day I was feeling amazing. And over time, then the cravings are gone. And, you know, the little bit of weight that I was carrying from eating half a Toblerone every night, gone, not snacking anymore. Not, it, 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 was, it was so incredibly simple, but so incredibly effective. And so this I just wanted to tie this into the tactic called HALT, H-A-L-T. Because if you experience a craving, one of the first things that you might want to ask yourself is, am I H-hungry? <laughs> am I A-angry or anxious or sad? Um, am I L-lonely? Am I craving some kind of connection? Is my nervous, is my nervous system wanting to co-regulate? Um, and then T is um, tired or thirsty is the other one. And sounds incredibly simple, but, you know, I've lost count of the number of people that have given into something just purely because uh, one of them, one of my lovely ladies in a group at the moment, she was talking about an experience of a craving that she had and she literally, she was thirsty. It was that, that simple. You couldn't believe how simple. I'm just bloody thirsty. I just wanted a really refreshing um, drink. And it didn't have to be alcoholic. I just wanted, my brain's telling me I want alcohol, but actually I didn't. I just wanted a really refreshing drink. Simples. That's it. It's so important to be tuned in to what's going on. I'd like to, as you were talking about that, I think I've said to you before, Ellie, I, I think at some point I've recorded an episode about my 
past eating habits, which I mean, for me, like binge eating has been a thing big time. And um, I don't think people, most people either think I'm lying or think I'm like trying to being an idiot when I talk about some of the ways I've eaten and, and none of it is, it's, it's true. And it's definite addiction transference and um, mm. how that's played out in my story is very interesting. Um, and I think I'm really still now doing the work, getting to grips with that because I think there's so many things going on underneath. And I think a lot of this stuff for me is um, has been using whatever these different things are to manage my kind of emotional state because of yeah. OCD and other things that I've had like running on. Um, and I'm, you know, we're going to talk about a lot, uh, this a lot going forwards because uh, when we remove something like alcohol from our kind of like life picture, then it can feel like we're in this constant game of whack-a-mole where like we hit one and another one comes up, we hit one and mm. another one comes up. And ultimately, you know, this is about, well, sorry, guys, I'm going to have to replant the garden. We're going to have to move all the moles somewhere else and like come out with a way of not having any moles in a completely humane way. No moles harmed in the recording of this podcast. Um, but yeah, yeah, that just occurred to me. Okay, amazing. I think that's really powerful. I think there's some great tactics in there. Um, and there are essentially anything that teaches you to really tune into your body. And just the awareness piece is huge. Um, you know, flexing that muscle, understanding the the difference between, you know, you're not, this is not will, you're not fighting. This is mm. the strength and the resilience in feeling something and being vulnerable enough to actually say, okay, I'm going to sit with this for a while, which is very different to the energy behind fighting something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because is, what what you resist persists. Exactly. And you create the reality. Exactly. You're, you're resisting that thing and you are empowering that thing. Whereas the moment you do the opposite, the moment you tell it that you love it or welcome it or whatever, however it works for you and the way that you um, see it playing out. There's, there's so much magic in that. There really, really is. And uh, it, it's amazing how quickly you can, you can reduce these feelings mm. Um, mm. And, and start to inhabit this, to this new experience that we, that we mm. talk about. Mm. cool so go and try them out try out the tactics let us know what what works for you what you've found we'd love to hear hear from you we've had some really 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 great um feedback on the episodes that we've been doing on beliefs about alcohol and we've had some suggestions of things other beliefs that people want us to cover so plenty more of those lined up and if you've got anything like uh, like you have a specific topic, a specific belief, whether it's a substance level belief, a societal level belief, or even a, 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 a belief at the level of self, put my tooth back in, then please let us know because we, we're lining these up as, as quickly as we can, but we, we just really appreciate the feedback. It's helpful to know what's helping so we can do more of that because this whole podcast is about serving you our lovely listeners and we really really appreciate you so thank you hey team okay look not much else to say other than go try those tactics out go lean into cravings you know reframe them as something that if we learn how to move through them we kind of um move through the process quicker and we learn things about ourselves and we learn things about what it is our central nervous system needs. And we're all different. There's so many different opportunities and different ways to move through this stuff. Uh, and I've put a link in the show notes to a guide that I've created all about cravings. It's got five or six different ways that you can that you can deal with this. It works, speaks to
to both triggers and cravings and for all different stages of that um yeah so go check that out if uh, if you're looking for a few different options and test them you know these things aren't intuitive like we sometimes have to try things that we think at face value we're like really is that gonna work give it a go because you just you just don't know often as we're finding out week by week here you know what in, seems intuitive is not actually the most um skillful and or the best thing to do in some of these scenarios okay so you know same message as always thanks for the love thanks for we're getting more and more people reach out which is amazing please go leave us some reviews go to apple or wherever you're listening from and leave us a review it really helps us reach more people that's how we're getting out there and getting to people is uh, is is through that basically so have an awesome week and can't wait to uh speak to you next week team